Chapter Twenty Six of Mrs. Solomon Smith Looking On by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Six. There wasn't anything else to do. Things that folks plan for never happen. This Mrs. Smith said to me one lovely spring morning when I had walked over to see her and planned for more fresh eggs. She said it with a grateful smile playing about her mouth and a satisfied look in her eyes. Now there's Solomon. I really did think he would get the fever. I laid awake nights to get ready for it. I planned who to get to look after the house and the critter, and I hunted up the bundles of old linen and things, such as is wanted in sickness, and whenever I sent any round to Job Simmons, I laid some out for Solomon. And whenever the doctor asked for this or that about the house for Job's comfort, I set right about getting it ready for Solomon. After he came home, I put things straight every night regular, without saying anything to him, you know, so that if he should be took before morning, I'd know just where to lay my hand on everything. If ever I planned and fixed and fussed about anything, it was the way I'd do for him when he had the fever and he ain't no signs of it about him i must say i think it is wonderful broke of his rest as he was and lifting hard and puttering all day as well as all night ain't it wonderful now that he escaped it is the lord's mercy i wish i knew how to be grateful enough poor old lady all the time the shadows were gathering around her so softly and sweetly that she did not perceive them. At least she let none of us know it if she did. Solomon was kind of tuckered out tonight, and I coaxed him up to stay at home. She said to me one evening after prayer meeting, as she was getting into our carriage to ride home, having walked the mile and a half thither. He ain't quite so strong as usual somehow. The warm weather is coming on pretty early, you see and then he's had such a hard pull, it stands to reason that it will take him a while to get over it. One Sunday she came to church all day without him. Solomon ain't sick, and he ain't well, she said in answer to inquiries. I dunno exactly what ails him. Tuckered out, I call it. He don't seem to have no strength to spare. And no wonder he used it up a good ways ahead. I tell him that by fall he'll catch up, if he is careful, and be all right. You see, Solomon is older than he was, spoken in a half-confidential tone, as if it were an admission that she made reluctantly, and would like as little said about it as possible, and, of course, watching and care tells on him. It was a very unusual thing to see Solomon Smith's seat in church vacant. It gave me a strange sort of pang to look at the old lady sitting alone. If there had been a stalwart son or a cheery-faced daughter beside her, it would have been different. Not long thereafter, we went, Laura and I, to take our friend a loaf of a new kind of cornbread Mary had been learning to make. We found her in the neat kitchen, which, in its summer dress of fresh whitewash and green, sweet-smelling boughs in the fireplace, and a pot of June roses smiling from the mantelpiece, 
looked in its way quite as inviting as the more glowing attire in which winter found it mrs smith had a way of her own of marking the seasons the red curtains which glowed all winter at her kitchen windows were replaced by plain white ones white tidies carefully stitched into place with cord covered the wools with which the favorite chairs were upholstered even the floor mats were of a lighter more subdued hue and in various ways the mistress of the house had made her abode say it is summer on this day the door leading into the large and roomy summer sleeping-room which generally stood open in the afternoon revealing glimpses of a very chamber of peace was closed mrs smith glancing toward it lowered her voice solomon has gone to lie down he is having a nice long nap and he needs it he went out in the lower field this morning for about an hour and i never see anybody look so tired as he did when he come in i coaxed him to lie down right away and he did and this afternoon he went of his own accord and laid down again he ain't been no hand to take a nap in the daytime but he'd ought to when folks get to be his age they need it i think i did not want to be a job's comforter but i could not help saying do you think your husband seems as well as usual this summer she laid down the seam she was sewing and looked at me with grave earnest eyes for a moment before she answered well now he don't that's a fact but i don't think strange of it the doctor thinks he ain't quite right he wants him to take a tonic he's been talking to me about it this very morning i was out in the yard when he rode by and i wanted to know how that adams boy is so i stopped him and then i was saying that solomon wasn't real chirk and he said he told him more than a week ago he ought to take beer or porter or some of them things but land solomon won't i know as well as i want to that he won't and i ain't the one to coax him to either i don't mean she hastened to explain catching a glimpse of the dissent and disapproval in laura's eyes that i would be opposed to it if we thought it was necessary solomon wouldn't either i suppose we would about as soon take that as any other poison if it seemed to be the right thing to do but you see we both believe that other tonics will do just as well and not have the same objection to em that these have but said laura belligerence in every tone i should suppose that you would be willing to accept a physician's opinion you say the doctor advised it surely he ought to be supposed to know what should be done well i don't know speaking thoughtfully you see child there's doctors and doctors and you can't believe in em all for they contradict each other about nearly everything and if you undertake to follow one man's notions you may comfort yourself with the thought that you are going right contrary to the notions of another who is just as smart and has a good a chance of knowing as the first one i don't see anything for it but to study up some things and decide for yourself and that's just what we've done a good while ago about this tonic business fact is you've got to study it up it belongs to the temperance question and we read everything we could get hold of on both sides 
and we talked with some that know a good deal and one day when i was in new york a year or so ago that time i went to take care of my niece's cousin you know i happened across that big doctor that everybody praises and runs to consult at least them that can get money enough a lady that boarded in this house where my niece's cousin lived was relation to him and she thought a great deal of fanny that's the cousin and she sent for him to come and see her when she was at the worst and he came and he was as good as though he hadn't been great at all he come two or three times and one day when he sat waiting to go upstairs i had a chance and i up and asked him his opinion about tonics well he came down on the whole thing stronger than i thought any of them ever did he said he believed the whole system of prescribing rum for strengthening medicine was of the devil and brought forth the devil's fruits in nine cases out of ten them was his very words they was pretty strong i thought but coming from him one they worth thinking about solomon and i thought them over and put one thing and another together that we heard here and there and we made up our minds that we didn't believe in rum tonics and couldn't take em so you see i ain't the one to coax him to back down on that why this very doctor this morning owned that there was other things that he supposed would do about as well only they was harder to get and more expensive as far as that goes doctor says i solomon and i agreed a good while ago to obey the lord even if it was expensive now and then i said them very words it seemed a queer thing to me to be talking about expense when i was talking about right and wrong and the danger of doing harms to folks's souls auntie smith interrupted laura do you really mean that you are afraid if your husband took a tonic of some sort for a few weeks while he is run down he might become a drunkard no child i don't know as i can say i'm the least mite afraid of it i ought to be i suppose for the bible warns us against that very thing let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall it says but i can't help somehow feeling so sure of solomon's standing that i haven't a speck of fear but i'll tell you what we are both afraid of and that is his influence there is folks that don't stand firm it's all you can do to keep em up with all the props you can put around them pledges and examples and all that shall the weak brother perish for whom christ died that's the verse that comes bowsing out at me the minute i think about solomon swallowing a drop of the stuff you see child it has all been up lately and had itself talked over as soon as the fever left job simmons the doctor began to talk tonic to him says he to solomon the man will die in spite of you if he doesn't have brandy every little while i don't know how he's going to get it it's expensive stuff but he'll slip through our fingers if he doesn't have it well solomon went straight to job about it poor job you know was away down in the gutter in his younger days and solomon he told him just what the doctor said he didn't feel that he ought to take the responsibility of doing any other way and says he it ain't the expense job that needn't stand in the way a minute what you need you're to have 
and the doctor says if you don't have any brandy you may die now what do you say and solomon says he'll never forget the way in which job looked at him out of them great sunken eyes says he then solomon i'll die i will so not a drop of brandy for me some folks say job ain't got much spunk but if he hasn't he's got grace for it took some i guess to get him through that place with his wife a-cryin over him and the doctor tellin what would happen not a drop of brandy did he take and the doctor himself says he never see any one come up faster and yet he goes and prescribes the tonic again the first thing laura arose at once she was ready to go home i did not know it then but long afterwards i saw the letter that she had received that morning one sentence was as follows i'm rather under the weather just now nothing to signify a little run down with irregular hours and overexertion the city has been pretty gay this spring several weddings in high life and matters of that sort have rather knocked me up but you have no cause for anxiety the doctor says i will be all right in a few weeks he prescribes a glass of old ale on rising and perhaps after each meal i shall not need so much as that i presume but i am trying the prescription sparingly with excellent results already i think about the time that mrs smith quoted poor job simmons's words then solomon i'll die i will so not a drop of brandy for me those contrasting words stung her after that the shadows deepened rapidly solomon smith took no tonic at least of an alcoholic nature indeed before three more days had passed it became apparent to the doctor that he needed more than a tonic there came speedily a morning in which essaying to rise with the dawn as usual solomon smith fell back with something very like a groan and owned that he felt too weak and miserable to move his alert wife moved skillfully and in a very brief space of time tried to rally his strength with a bit of nourishing broth while she waited for the doctor for whom she had quietly sent a messenger she spoke cheerily both to him and the doctor when he came it was an uncommon weak kind of morning she didn't feel near as chirk as usual herself and solomon had overdone the day before he would be all right in a little while she guessed but she had thought it safest to call the doctor she said much the same two days later when i spent an hour with her solomon is getting a rest he needed it had needed it all the spring and folks like him couldn't rest unless the lord took them gently and laid them on their backs he didn't suffer any to speak of had no pain he was just tuckered out her face was bright when she talked and she kept her needle going busily finishing a garment for her husband that she fancied would be cooler and more comfortable for him meantime he slept he sleeps a good deal she said brightly i think that shows he needs it being tired is a dreadful kind of feeling and nothing will do for it so quick as sleep there was nothing we could do to help her she was sufficient to the occasion 
so there was no object in lingering. Cheerful, our hostess certainly was, but as certainly she was quiet. Her usually busy tongue was hushed, and her brain engaged with the effort to keep all the outside world quiet and to hear the first sound which came from that sick room. We went away feeling that, although on the surface nothing looked like it, still it was a sick room. When we met the doctor and stopped to inquire as to the state of things, he shook his head gravely. Yonder is a wonderful nurse, Mrs. Leonard, but she can't nurse her husband back into strength. Mama, what does he mean? said Laura, her face white. Does he think that Mr. Smith is going to die? I didn't know what he meant, but I was afraid, and I told Laura so. She seemed wonderfully shaken by our fears, more so than it seemed to me her interest in our friends would account for. She talked about it a great deal, and went about with a white, anxious face. "'It will kill Auntie Smith, I think,' she said to Mary. "'She is so utterly deceived, or else we are. I dare say we are the ones who are frightened after all. She doesn't think him sick.' and why shouldn't she know better than the rest of us? But if he should be really sick, it will be a dreadful shock to her. She is so entirely unprepared for it. Mamma, you do not think he can be going to die, do you? I did not know. I hardly knew what to think. He was not a man to give up and lie down weakly and fancy himself sick. But as the days passed, he certainly did not gain in strength and yet he had no fever and no pain. What was the matter with him? Worn out, the doctor said, briefly, on being interrogated. He was too old a man to bear the fatigue of that long watching. If he had had a son, it would never have been allowed. I wonder that his wife did not use her influence. A poor exchange to nurse Job Simmons back to life and take him instead. We would get along without Job, I suppose, but real, solid, honest men like Solomon Smith are scarce. If he only hadn't gone to take care of Job Simmons! This Laura said to Mrs. Smith one morning, when we were waiting to take a message from her to the doctor. I was very sorry that she said it. There is nothing to make a sharper thrust in a burdened heart than that dreary, if you hadn't done thus and so. But Mrs. Smith did not seem to take it that way. She went on quietly folding the paper on which she had been writing, while she made answer. Well, you know, child, we haven't got that to think about. And it is a mercy we haven't just now, when there is so much to tend to. There wasn't anything else to do, you see. The duties stared us right straight in the face, and there wasn't nothing to decide about it. He was sick, and had to be took care of, and there was nobody to do it. And if, whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, didn't mean Job Simmons and Solomon, why, then Solomon said he was sure he didn't know what it did mean, and so you know that settled it. End of chapter 26